0: Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly based healing artist, and today's episode is an interview on words as altars and word witchery with Kate Bellew. Kate is a Brooklyn based writer poet, witch, storyteller, strategist, and her work spans genres and spaces through poetry, nonprofits, immersive theater, health and wellness, herbalism, tech, and the psychedelic. She does a lot of really cool work. She hosts the Magic and Alchemy podcast by Tamed Wild. She helps people connect with their innate creative power, and she writes gorgeous poetry as a well. So I'm very excited to share this episode with you. We talk about her journey with poetry and witchcraft, writing as a tool to connect with intuition, poetry as spell work, poetry as touchstone, as connection to ancestry. Protecting your creative space, rituals around creativity, nature as inspiration, the writing process and sharing our writing, and Kate shares one of her poems with us. So just a quick note, we did have a pretty bad internet connection for this interview, and I actually think it turned out pretty well in the editing process, considering (laughs) how poor the connection was, but you will notice a couple of times where um, the conversation jumps i think it really is just a couple of times but where just kate cuts out a little bit and i there's really nothing i can save about that it just like doesn't record um That At one point, she's talking about Kalamazoo College, and she is talking about someone who is her mentor, basically, and the part where she says it was a mentor gets cut out. So when she starts talking like she, that's who she's referring to. Um, I think that's really the only thing you need to know. I hope you will listen regardless, because it's really totally fine, and it's an incredible conversation. Kate has a lot of wisdom that she shares here and I just wanted to share one thing with you before we get into the interview. I made you a free mini creativity course, uh, sort of like a creativity reset to really support you in reconnecting to your creativity or deepening your relationship with your creativity, and as you've heard me talk about so many times, and as you'll even hear in this interview, I really believe that creativity matters, and I think that the things in your heart are worth creating, even if no one else ever sees them. I think that your creativity can be just for you, and the process of creating itself can be one of engaging with muse, with self, with aliveness, and so yeah creativity matters (laughs) and um it's a four-day little email course and it's just intended to support you in exploring some of your unique creative blocks and open to more of your innate creativity through journaling ritual practice and breath work so wherever you're at with your creativity this is here for you it's free and it's in the description to check out if you're into it as well as Kate's links, you can find all of her links to her newsletter and upcoming workshops and all those good things in the description as well. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Happy bulk if you're listening to this today. Um, Brigid is actually associated with many things, but one of those things being poetry. So I didn't really plan for this episode <laughs> to come out on bulk, but it feels really fitting that it is when Imbolc is a holiday so associated with the goddess Brigitte so anyways enjoy happy Imbolc I'll see you next time so I always like to start the show by hearing a bit about your journey so I'd love to hear anything you want to share about your journey with writing your journey with magic um, that's brought you to where you are now
1: Oh, wow. A long journey, a 27-year journey. (laughs) Um, I guess I'm I'm dialing in from Brooklyn in New York, so that's kind of where we're at in the journey presently. Um, You know, I think I've been a poet for my whole life. Like, I remember, like, dictating to my, well, I don't remember this. She tells me that I was dictating poems kind of to her before I could even write them, like mostly about like unicorns and, (laughs) you know, kind of noble uh, adventures and things like that. And um, have kind of just been following that thread really ever since.
0: (laughs) I love that so much
1: yeah i mean you know i i'm from michigan um i i grew up there i went to school there and then i lived in detroit for a little bit um i moved to brooklyn about four years ago so that um was kind of like the first time really like leaving home and kind of going out on my own to see kind of what i could find and um and that's kind of how i've ended up here
0: here now. (laughs) Yeah Um, I would love to hear a little more about your poetry like what inspires you why you write poetry what it means to you to work with this art.
1: Yeah I think that poetry of my like primary way of expressing myself like I have always been kind of a shy person like speaking has I mean difficult I guess is not really the word but it's always been difficult um for some some reasons for me like maybe you can even hear that now but (laughs) 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 um I think that you know the written word has always just kind of been my like very trusted companion I think that writing is really what allowed me to kind of access my personal magic um as a witch and as like a creator in the world I think it allows me to channel and better listen to my intuition um and it's really kind of built like carved out a space for for that sort of attention in my art and in my life
0: mm, yeah I saw that you've shared this idea of like poetry being spell work and you taught this whole class on witches and poets. And I would love if we could talk about that a little bit, like what working with poetry as spell work in spell work even means to you what that's like.
1: Yeah, there's this woman, um, she kind of has this whole like theory of spell work and I think it's like it's conceive it, craft it, release it, like all while knowing that kind of all is possible, basically. And I think that that um you know speaks so much to poetry and to writing. It's like a very same energy to me. And I also think like, you know, the poets and the witches and the psychedelic, like everything that's kind of paranormal or on the fringe, kind of has the same this the sort of texture to me. Um, like so, po- both poetry and witchcraft in that
0: way. Yeah, and I think there's so much power in in words, and that whether we're writing them down in poetry or we're speaking them, that they can all be spells. That they all have energy behind them.
1: Hmm. Yeah definitely I'm like take it back like you can't say that or put it out into the world (laughs) he's so mad at me he's like the least witchy person of all time and I'm just like no don't do that (laughs) it's really a funny dynamic in our household (laughs) I think like, um, language too, I, I think language too, you mean kind of like an alter out of your words in, in some ways, I think like bringing in different elements and um, return to like again and again, like, I think that poetry can kind of act as a touchstone in like that way of a space that you build, um, for intentionally and ancestrally and, um, I don't know, kind of central to the hearth and home, if that makes sense.
0: Mm. Yeah, did you say, you cut out a little bit there for a second, did you say like words as altars? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. I love that so much. Can you talk a bit more about how words connect you to ancestry?
1: Yeah, I, I think like we spend our time with like our families or we get things handed down to us and it kind of makes up like the fabric of our our lives basically. So like what they say that you carry seven generations of sort of experience inside of you. And so I feel like, you know, that has to be my grandmother's grandmother in some ways, like the same sort of language and DNA that like, um, is present when you're creating stuff.
0: Mm, Yeah, I really love that. I think of it too. Like, I think about how there were so many people in my family who never really had the experience of sharing their voice, of expressing, of saying what they really thought and felt. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so writing poetry in that way also Mm -hmm. feels kind of like, it's not just me writing, it's all of us writing. And that feels really special. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's like, you know, there may have been people who have like wanted to express that and then couldn't and I don't know I I got really lucky in life like my parents and my grandparents have always been cheering me on as a poet. I remember once feeling like really really down on myself um, and not quite sure what I was doing and I remember texting my dad and I was like I'm sorry that you're (laughs) pitying. And he was like, I'm not just like, that's how he responded. And I, in that moment, I was just like, wow, like that, you know, so when you make art, you've got, you're kind of standing on the shoulders of like the people that said it was okay or, or helped you get there, you know?
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And while we're talking about writing, something else I wanted to ask you about this is how you, or if you, (laughs) work with writing as a tool to channel and connect with your intuition. And what's that like?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you have this experience, but like sometimes you like sit down with your notebook open and words just kind of like fall out of you. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like where did these come from and like what are these feelings and like what are these um, images and you know maybe years will go by and I won't look at those notebooks and then I'll go back and I'll be like oh I already knew the thing that I was trying to figure out but I I, I wasn't either in a place to make sense of it yet or wasn't looking at it um, with an appreciation for the intuitive and so I think as I get older i'm I'm kind of like pay, i pay more attention to that stuff like it's not coming from nowhere i'm starting to better like understand um kind of what i'm tapping into and how and and why and being a little bit more like intentional intentional about like creating that space for myself
0: mm. yeah I think so much of these practices, writing poetry and connecting with intuition and magic and all of it is a lot about creating space to be present, to listen, to be with what's here, to listen to like life happening around us. Um, that's how I feel anyways. Mm-hmm. Is there a way that you
1: kind of make that listening more readily available for yourself?
0: yeah. Good question. (laughs) I feel like I have a lot of practices, (laughs) but I think breath is my biggest practice. Breath is my biggest practice for listening, for coming into this moment, for actually, um, for, yeah, getting a bit out of my head and being able to see what's actually happening around me. Um, I have a pretty, um, I have a morning practice that I'm incredibly protective of and I do every morning and it's not that I do the same thing every morning but it's just like <laughs> every morning when I wake up that's what's happening like I'm having space to like tend to my dreams or breathe or do energy work or ritual whatever um and I think that helps me a lot like I notice throughout my day that I'm not Mm -hmm. here as much. I'm not listening as much. There isn't as much space if I haven't um, held that space for myself in the morning. So yeah, Mm -hmm. lots of practices, if that makes sense.
1: (laughs) And you you have to be fiercely, fiercely protective of that. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Cause it's like, there's no shortage of other things to do or other things that want my attention or time. Um, and nobody's going to hold that space for me. Like I have to do it for myself.
1: It's funny. Like sometimes I'll get text messages too early in the morning <laughs> and I'm like, the audacity mean <laughs> anything else. It's not their problem, it's not their fault. But like, I just know that I like feel that in myself where I'm just like, how could you do this? And then I like have to laugh and I'm like, oh, but you're the one that looked at your phone too early or you're the one mm. that <laughs> like, you just have to really like own that space. And I know that like with kind of the way that COVID's been, at least for me, it's been kind of hard to sometimes separate that out because I'm like in this one bedroom in Brooklyn and it's like I walk four feet if I don't leave my house and so like kind of breaking up the work from the creative practice to the you know the just being practice like has has become even more so of a practice.
0: Oh yeah this year has been a whole different thing. (laughs) Do you have any rituals and practices for yourself around creativity specifically um you know
1: i it's it's funny i i probably tell this story like every time i teach or like meet somebody who likes the same things as me so i may <laughs> have told you this before i um i had this teacher when i like me about her neighbor who like every morning ran out outside to his front yard and like hit this gong and would just yell like pay attention pay attention your life is moving very quickly mm-hmm. and I just became obsessed with this story for the last decade I guess where I was I I just love that like reminder of the thing as a practice like your life is moving very quickly and the rhythm of of that kind of sentence sort of practice go like you know I keep an altar in my house that I change out seasonally and kind of like talismans um, that I think have some some magic imbued in them on my desk and I often will like light a candle um, when I'm working I, I kind of think it's a nice like scent signal and also like the glow of it I think really helps me to make but I mean if I had a choice like just going to like right by water in the woods would be the best best ritual
0: <laughs> oh yeah I wish I had that option available to me every day too <laughs> that sounds really nice
1: I know. Yeah. I know when I go back to Michigan I'm like oh like <laughs> this this is good <laughs>
0: It's so good. But, you know, New
1: York has a hold on my heart. So I'm here.
0: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would love to talk a little bit about connecting with nature. Are you or sort of how are you sinking into this autumn and winter season? I know it's even weirder and harder when we also have a pandemic. Um, but yeah, anything you want to share about working with this seasonal mm-hmm. transition? Mm.
1: You know, I, I mean, I love, I love Samhain, which just passed, um, I think that that's like a really special time. And I also just love kind of like the way that the air changes, like leaving my windows open, kind of taking notice of that, like maybe going on a fall drive. Um, I think that those are nice, like things to be done. And I've, I've actually I've been I was taking this poisonous plants workshop every Sunday night. With this woman named Catherine Solid, who's like incredible. But um, it was like three hours every Sunday night, and you would kind of do like this vibrational plant meditation and then move through like a couple hours of just um folklore and legend and story around these poisonous plants and the poison path, which was just a lot of fun. And I I found that kind of like energy of the underworld to just be um moving into the colder months
0: oh yeah that sounds like an incredible class first of all <laughs> and yeah I feel like that's totally the energy of this <laughs> time like you said like we had Samhain so it's like that descent time and I heard someone share on Samhain that I really appreciated how they think of salon as the end of the year and the winter solstice as the beginning of the year. And this space in between is just this liminal dreamlike space um, that's not either year. And that feels like underworld, that feels like dream space. And yeah, hmm. I really appreciated that. That feels right to me. Yeah, I've never
1: heard that. I've always like thought of Samhain as kind of like the witch's new year, like a fire festival and like, but thinking of it in that way it's it it does feel like the descent down to like revel in that for a little bit and like it's nice to not like put like a hard date on it where like it automatically then has to shift back like it gives some time to kind of like be down there I love that
0: (laughs) yeah I love that too (laughs) there's I think that's one of the things that I really appreciate about living seasonally and about working with magic and witchcraft too is like, to me, there aren't really any right answers. It's like, we can all have different ideas of what things mean. We can all feel into things differently. And it's like honoring our own intuition, honoring mm-hmm. our own like body senses of what's happening and no one's right. No one's wrong. We're we're just like different and that's beautiful. And that feels like definitely practice of witchcraft to me
1: just like we went into like the like most um um I don't know liminal sorts of like careers basically like <laughs> the no right answer jobs <laughs> where like my best friend is like a chemical engineer and she has all of the correct answers
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a different vibe yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, that's interesting because that kind of goes into something else I wanted to ask you about. Um, I would love to talk a little bit more about the practice of writing and sharing writing, something that comes up for me and I know for other people who are in this community listening to is like perfectionism when we're writing or creating anything, like the idea of like things not being good enough or needing to be better. And then there's this like high bar that, you know, can never really be achieved. Nothing can really be perfect. Right. And I think sometimes that feels scary and can feel like a big barrier Mm -hmm. to actually sharing work, whether it's poetry or some other kind of art or expression with other people, with the world. And I would just love to hear anything you have to share about working with that and moving through that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel, I feel pretty lucky in the way of like, I haven't I don't feel too precious, like a lot about a lot of the work that I make. And like, that's why I throw a lot of it out on the internet in different ways. Cause I'm just like, this is what I'm thinking about right now. Like, um, but you know, in some ways too, like that has kind of, you know, I haven't submitted a ton. I haven't made a huge effort and like, trying to like craft together uh, like a book um, to be published, kind of things like that, where it's like, oh, like I wish that I had a little bit more perfectionism in the way of like pulling pulling that piece together. But um, yeah, I don't know, I, I guess from like a young age, I didn't ever really feel like I was a part of the sort of academic realm of writing. Like that didn't really resonate with me. Um, and even though I pretended like I remember being <laughs> in college and like showing up to Kalamazoo college and I was like D on my first paper. And I was just like, that's it. I have to go home. I'm not smart enough to be here. Um, this is really not for me. And she, she like stopped me on my way home in her like black, uh, VW Beetle and was like get in (laughs) and I got in the car and she was like well what's the problem and I was like you gave me a d on this paper like I can't be in college and she was just like what are you talking about (laughs) like you're gonna be fine like I'll teach you how to write with commas Kate like it's okay that you don't understand how grammar works there's worksheets for that and like i was like i'm gonna be a lawyer and she was like no you're a poet like what are you talking about and it was just like this really (laughs) nice way of being seen and I, i think that you know working with someone like diane seuss it like really helped me to kind of um brave the world with my writing in that way like it gave me a lot of permission and a lot of space
0: I think we all need that person. (laughs) Um, What you're sharing feels really resonant for me. I've also never felt like part of that kind of academic world. And I think I've also felt really intimidated often around poetry. Um, I think I've often read poems where I'm like, this is a real poem. Like, it's Mm -hmm. so beautiful. I have no idea what it means. It doesn't even make any sense to me, but it's so beautiful and confusing. And this is a real poem. And I'm like, that's not what my poetry (laughs) sounds like or means. Like, it's just not. Um, And I, yeah, I think that that's something that I've really been working with is like, there are all kinds of ways to write poetry and There's not like one thing that's better than another thing, like we were talking about. Um, But I think that can feel really intimidating. It has for me, definitely.
1: I feel like, too, like I think that like the education system has just done us a disservice in poetry. Like, I mean, I don't know if this was your experience, but like when you're young and you take a poetry class in your middle school English class like a poetry segment, and I feel like the first thing the teacher asks is, uh, like, what is the poet talking about? Mm. And so right from the beginning with poetry, you're, like, set up in this way that you are immediately trying to, like, dissect the thing instead of, like, learning an appreciation of, like, language or rhythm or narrative or any of these sort of, like, pieceically understand everything about where the person was mentally when they made it, which is just not a reasonable question for a 12 year old.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's such a good point. And I think even now when I read poetry, like I, I don't really care what it means. Like I know when I love poetry, I know that I love a poem when it makes me feel something. And like, I don't feel like I need to know what they were trying to say with it specifically. Mm -hmm. like I just need to know what it means to me, how it made me feel and like that's enough. And I think that's what I love about it and what I love about all kinds of art. I don't think we have to try and figure out what it's supposed to mean. It's just like what it means to us and it's living and alive and could mean something different to different people.
1: It's like that famous Emily Dickinson, where like she's asked about like what makes a poem a poem, and she's like, "I know I have read a poem when I feel like the top of my head has been taken off," and I just <laughs> I love
0: that. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> uh, while we're while we're talking about this, did you want to share uh, the poem that you brought for us?
1: Yeah, I could do that. Um, I, I brought the altar one. So it's a, the poems called altar. And so it's kind of about just, just so we can get that question out of the way. <laughs> um, kind of about that alter words that we were talking about a psychic once told me if I saw feathers on the sidewalk, I should take them to mean that I'm walking the correct path. Sometimes I think that it is strange that we accept weather like rain as normal, the sky weeps over our failed and crafted bodies. I want to write a poem that is like the rain, but isn't like the rain. I want my poems to both capsize and surface at the same time. Once I dated a man who told me I was a terrible writer and that all the other women he had been with had been terrible writers too. I want so badly to be seen that I paint a billboard at the edge of town. I come from a long line of terrible and I respect my lineage. I like stories of troublemakers because I don't want to believe I'm alone in setting trash can fires. It makes me laugh that no one knows what happens to us after we die. Sometimes I save dead flowers because I think they could be alive and just sleeping. Is there danger in longing, in want, in creating something that will never be finished, in telling you the truth? Sometimes I talk too much and sometimes my voice, a whisper in an echo chamber, calls out and asks for you to lean in closer. Queen Anne's lace is a beautiful flower. Sunflowers are beautiful flowers. I wear safety pins in my earlobes. I fall in love with the same person every day Game with my dog where I walk away from him and see if he follows. I like my gray hair. Thank you enough. Thank you. I've spent many years hating my body. I then spent many years letting others hate my body. So today I wish to make my body a feather, a dead flower, torrential rain, a poem. My poetry fails me, my poetry delivers me. I don't think that thoughts and prayer are a sufficient way to save anyone. I am not a sufficient way to save anyone's anyone but these are not thoughts and prayers they are an offering I am not good but that is not the question here here take my fingertips my holding on my dedication to the altar of these words I love you I love you I love you
0: thank you so much for sharing that I feel like that poem shared (laughs) thank you it's like we couldn't have that conversation what you just shared in that poem about how much you love poetry and what it means to you um is just so beautiful thank you (laughs) thanks
1: that's like what i mean like the language sometimes just doesn't serve the thing when i say it out loud i have to like put it down and then it works for me
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love how you were talking about plants in the poem too, after you were sharing about taking that poison plants class and like nature moment into it. um, it just feels really lovely. Yeah. It's no. funny.
1: I think that was actually an earlier poem of the thing. Um, my friend Shana edited it for me and did a much, a much better editing job. So <laughs> I'll have to go find that at some point.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well I was gonna ask how do you know when a poem's done like how do you know when a poem is complete as it is
1: probably like when I am so sick of looking at it that I can never return to it again (laughs) (laughs) what about
0: you I don't know I have kind of a hard time with this because it's I feel like my poems come in different ways sometimes they come through completely fully formed and i just write Mm -hmm. them down and then they're pretty much done like i might tweak it a little bit but mostly it's just done and some of them like they start with an idea Mm -hmm. and i start writing and then i get to something where i'm like oh this is what the poem's actually about and i kind of throw out the beginning and now i'm like where the poem now i know what the poem is actually about and i start writing from there and that it's like a longer process for some of them um they're Mm -hmm. kind of all all different but I think for the fully formed ones it's really easy to be like oh this is just done this just came through as it is and then for the other ones I just kind of have a feeling about it I guess Um, but then sometimes I question that feeling and I'm like no maybe it needs something something else here or like I want to put this line in or take this one out or whatever but um still a work in process for me, which is probably why I asked you.
1: (laughs) I think a little bit about it, too, is like the intention for it. Like, where is it going to end up? Like if, if I am just writing and I'm just writing to like write and to like do my own thing, then I'll probably never edit it. If I'm trying to submit it somewhere or put it into a book or even like, I mean, I, I give poems to my friends and like my partner and like might edit that around. If it's like, um, a gift for someone like a wedding gift, I might take some different time with it, Mm -hmm. but, um, I think it just also just really depends where it, where it wants to travel to um, and what the intention behind it is.
0: Yeah, I think that's so true. And sometimes I'll find myself wanting to say like so much in one poem and realizing like, oh, this, that's actually a different poem, like that's another poem that I can write about this thing that's coming up here. Like. Um, if that makes sense, you know, like, I don't have to fit every single thing into this one poem, like, that can just be another poem that I write.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think, too, like, I mean, I don't know if you feel this way. I feel like I write the same poem again and again and again. <laughs> like, I think Diasuse was telling me at one point, She's like, you get an emotional half acre, and you just get to live in that half acre for the rest of your life and make art from there. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs>
0: That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I definitely write the same poem over and over and over again. <laughs> I'm actually working mm-hmm. on a collection of poems right now. Um, and they're they're all about the same thing, <laughs> which I guess is what a collection is. But um, they're all about <laughs> the same thing. They're all different ways of talking about the same idea, different angles on the same experience, which just feels like that's just where I'm at. Like, that's just one what feels present.
1: I would love to read them if you're ever sending them around.
0: Oh, thank you. (laughs) I'm sure I will be sometime. Not yet, but sometime. (laughs) Eventually. Yeah, eventually. When I feel like they're complete. (laughs) Kate, thank you so much for being here. I want to ask you the last question that I always ask on this show um, because the name of the show is Living Open what does living open mean to you? What comes up when you Mm -hmm. hear that?
1: Hmm. I think it means, I mean, within reason, (laughs) (laughs) saying yes to things, Um, you know, I I mean, saying yes to the things that like make you excited and that um, kind of propel you forward. I mean, when I think about like the first things that like pop into my head, even when they say that it's like the reason I moved to New York was like I was working at this um, advertising agency in Detroit doing communications for auto like Ford auto. And um, I got a message one day on Facebook from a from an old friend who was just like, are you bored? And that's all it said. And I responded and I was like, yes. (laughs) And um, he was like, well, my friend has this magazine about psychedelics and you should write for him. So I was like, okay, introduce me. And so I was introduced to Ken, who was starting to open the Alchemist Kitchen, which is where I worked for four years, kind of helping to build that brand and the content strategy and the community there. And so Ken was to be our marketing person and I was like okay so I said I'll see you in a month and I moved to New York and then when I was here like (laughs) it was just like one one kind of like yes after another like that's how I got involved with like the Poetry Society of New York and performing in the poetry brothel. And I ended up at Sarah Lawrence for my master's. And I made all of these friends that um, could do this kind of like unconference for someone in Joshua Tree who couldn't figure out how to fix the coffee pot at the Joshua Tree Inn motel. And he was like, you have to come meet all of my friends in France. And I was just like, okay, yeah, let's go. And so I think that (laughs) the words living open, like they just yeah, going, going with that energy and allowing for that magic, like we said earlier, like keeping that space to listen and to like experience and to truly like create new, new things, be it like spells or poems or just life experiences. But I think that's, that's what that means
0: to me. Mm, That resonates a lot. I love that. (laughs) I feel like there is so much to be said there for, at least I've, I feel this in myself. (laughs) Sometimes I get in this place where I'm saying no a lot and I think I'm doing it as an act of care, or I think I'm doing it because I'm really tired, but actually I'm just like scared and stuck. (laughs) And like what Mm -hmm. I really need to be doing is saying yes, even though I'm saying no. Um, Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that reminder.
1: I think it's easy. Well, it's it's hard because you want, you want like boundaries, right? But like, you also, um, I feel like the universe, like for lack of a better word there too, or energy, like responds, when you, it hears you say yes to things, it sort of feels sometimes like that, like it's like a yes, a yes train. <laughs>
0: mm, yeah <laughs> yeah i'm like it's corona and there are no yes trains i want one <laughs> kate can you tell everyone where they can find you online where they can read your poetry and maybe come to a workshop
1: yeah definitely um so you can find me on instagram it's at k8 blue it's B-E-L-E-W. Um, my website is on there. It's kateblue.squarespace.com because I've been too lazy to purchase a domain. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I'm i hosting kind of like monthly workshops on my website if you're like social media adverse, which I totally understand. Um, there's like a little subscribe box. I send poetry prompts. I send notices about writing workshops. these like line by line poetry prompts on my Instagram too if you're looking for different ways to kind of access your creativity or if you've never written a poem before and want to start um, I think that those can be a lot of fun and it would be wonderful to meet you (laughs) people listening
0: (laughs) those line by line poetry prompts are so fun I wholeheartedly agree
1: (laughs) oh have you tried one
0: Yeah. I, you sent one out around Stalin, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that one.
1: (laughs) I started making them because I was teaching a class and in the zoom box, my friend Casey, who was there, sent me a message in the zoom chat and she was like, these prompts are good and all, but if you don't know where the hell to start, like, what are we doing? And I was just like, okay. So, uh, additionally folks in this class like <laughs> here's a line by line prompt for your poem and she like messaged me again on the side and was like thank you that's what I wanted and I was like all right Casey thanks for just teaching me how to teach because of course like if you don't know where to start like why would you, why would this prompt do anything for you like <laughs> so they've been so much fun to make too in like a different kind of way to approach poems but
0: yeah, case. <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely helpful. And I think it's exactly it's cool, because it is a different way to approach poems. I think I, not only do I find myself writing about the same things, I also find myself writing in the same way a lot of the time. So it's nice to like have a, yeah, a creative format to follow or try something different than I'm usually doing. So I appreciate it.
1: I'm glad that you tried one. It makes me feel like um, that's my goal. As long as one person does each of them, I'm, I'm
0: happy. <laughs> <laughs> then that's enough, yeah. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much for being here, Kate. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Kate. And if you love this episode, if you love the show, please do take a moment to rate five stars or even leave a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. It's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show and support an indie podcast. So thank you to all of you who have already done that, and thanks in advance to anyone who would like to leave a review. I'll be back on Monday with another interview for you, so stay tuned, subscribe if you haven't, and you can stay in touch on Instagram at erynj underscore or Patreon. Until then,